Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson, and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader. Make sure for your own sanity that you have a genuine, unshakable belief in your vision. Mm -hmm. Because when it's hard, when it's hard, that's what binds the business together and that's what keeps you going. Welcome to The Human CEO. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today I'm joined by Matt Crate. Matt's the CEO and co-founder of Toucan, an app created for communities of givers to amplify the work done by charities. Matt built Toucan in May 2021 because of his love for apps, tech and payments, and to achieve the mission of making giving fun, flexible and accessible for all. After being shortlisted in the Entrepreneur for Good Award at the Great British Entrepreneur Awards and appearing on Dragon's Den, Matt joins us today to share his insight as a leader and a human CEO. Thank you for joining us today, Matt. It's great to have you with us. Pleasure. Nice to be here. Really good to good to meet you. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. So can you tell us a little bit about Toucan and what it stands for and what you're hoping to achieve, please? Yeah, definitely. So so I guess I guess I should start with our vision, really, you know, our kind of our why and everything that we do at Toucan is is centered around this this vision and this belief that we want to create a world where giving becomes second nature. Mm. And and really what, what we're doing is we're trying to build this community of givers, of donors, of people that have what I would call a good intent and that amplify the good work that charities up and down the country do. And I think for me on a personal level, what we're trying to achieve is I want people to donate on their phone with the same importance that they scroll their socials, they watch Netflix, they listen to Spotify. For me, there is a big gap here. When you ask people, you know, do you think donating to charity is important? Do you think that charities are important to our societies? Everyone says yes. And when you ask, you know, do you donate? Some of them say yes, but the majority of them actually say, no, we don't. We give the odd cash in a bucket. Mm -hmm. And actually... What we're trying to do is just bridge that gap between people thinking that they're important and actually being able to action it. And and what what we say that we do, when you ask people, you know, do you think volunteering is important? Do you think charity is important? The majority of people say yes. And the reason why the majority of people don't action it is because life gets in the way. You know, we're time poor and there isn't the the third party tech to help action that. So what we say is, you know, two can allows you to live guiltless. Um, we allowed you to be, to, to, to action that desire, that demand to do good in society from the comfort of your own home. You, know, you can be sitting, sat on the sofa, scrolling through charities and we are that good deed that ticks along in your pocket. Yeah. So that, that's, that, that's, that's kind of my, my vision for the business. Um, and we want to, you know, grow our donor base so mm-hmm. that they can support um, multiple charities through through one single donation. Fantastic! I love the concept. I think when you think about how many subscriptions you can occasionally, you know, you miss a couple of months and think, oh, I meant to cancel that. And it's for some, you know, it's a piece of software or you know, some kind of app. But for this to have something like that ticking away in the background, I think it's fantastic. It's brilliant! Right. Brilliant! Well, thank you very much. Brilliant! And and so obviously. As the leader of that organisation, you've been established to be first anniversary in May, will it? Launched in lockdown? Uh, yes, that's correct. Yeah. And you're yeah. on Dragon's Den recently, so things must be just going through the roof at the minute. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about what challenges you're up against at the minute? What's on your desk currently? 
Hmm. Yeah. Um, I think I've probably got all the standard challenges that CEOs and, and founders have of trying to test and measure different channels, kind of gravitating the ones that work, scaling them up. I think you know we've we've got the same challenges as as as, as most founders, and I, I think I, I'll try and I can try and relate this a bit to make it a bit more interesting. I think I'll relate the challenges that we at Tukan actually have mm -hmm. faced over the past few months, rather than giving kind of the, the bog standard answers. I think I think there's a couple of I think there's two key lessons that we've taken and challenges that, that we're going through as a business. I think if anyone's listening to this and particularly running consumer businesses, mm. I think you'll kind of, you, you know, you, you'll, this will probably resonate. And I think one thing that Dragon's Den really taught us was the importance of leveraging third-party audience. And this is, this is a challenge, right? So right now, if you build a consumer business, effectively, we're a consumer tech business, um, Although we serve charities, we don't monetize that side at all. You know, charities receive 100% donation, we monetize the donors. So we're a consumer tech play. And we've, we've learned the hard way in truth that there are certain channels, paid social, um, influencer-led marketing to begin with, it, these are expensive ways to directly acquire customers. And if you're going to take a consumer business, particularly an app to market, you need to have a route to market where you're leveraging third-party audience. Mm -hmm. um, so right now, one of the ways that we're doing it is uh, we, 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 we're <clears throat> one of the challenges we're facing at the moment is how do we make the shift perhaps from B to B to C? So our proposition doesn't change, but how do we, how do we, engage third-party audience so that we can organically um, generate leads. So, so an example of that is rather than paying an influencer to advertise our application, mm -hmm. can we go to an influencer and say, look, you can't um, open a charity overnight. You want to do something good. Use your platform for good. For good. You can use Token. We're not going to pay you for that because mm -hmm. we can allow you to virtue signal back to your audience. So, so does that make sense? I, I guess... Yeah, one of the challenges that we face is we're trying to understand routes to market and we think that leveraging third-party audiences is key. Okay. And I think the other big challenge right now, and, you know, I've made loads, of, as, as, I, as I imagine every kind of founder listening to this has, you, you kind of come to your best conclusions when you've made, made mistakes and failed. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the mistakes that I've made over the past year is that I've, I've, I've mobilised the business into promoting the app as a feature-led initiative. So, for, for example, I actually made a mistake at the beginning of this podcast when I was described to, but, you know, what, what, the way that we first went out was one donation in an app can be dispersed to multiple charities via a flexible giving portfolio. Okay. That, that, that sounds good, and, and it sounds like a nice concept. And, we, we, you know, we acquire people on that basis. But ultimately, the reason why people give to charities is because they have emotive, you know, they're, they're triggered emotionally to mm -hmm. give. And I think this is the biggest challenge that I face from a product perspective at the moment is how do I create emotive triggers to move people from interested in concepts to donating, to giving their money? And I'd say that's probably the biggest challenge for me. How do I create emotive triggers to, 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 to kind of to create, to, to create action from our consumers? Mm -hmm. And do you work closely with the charities themselves for them? I mean, do they post content to, to the app? Yeah, I mean, yeah, so we do like featured, we do featured charities, we do, um, we do um, kind of charity of the month 
um, yeah. feature uh, blogs on charities. We, we, we just start. I have to say, one of the biggest lessons that came out of the den was the overwhelming response from the charity sector. I mean, you know, we talked to lots of charities anyway, but we have just been inundated with thousands of charities getting in touch with us. And actually, we, we, we're kind of putting the two together now where we need to use these emotive triggers, but actually the answer's on our doorstep because the charities are specialists at that. And we're, and yeah, we're trying to yeah. combine the two, you know. <laughs> it's just quite difficult to do when you've got 20,000 charities. It's, you know, you need to sort of understand how to segment all that. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we do. We, we talk to charities, you know, da- daily. We're having do you know, 10, 10 or so calls with charities a day. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. And then your journey into leadership then, Matt, were you, uh, were you always headed for the CEO seat? Were you always going to be a founder or was it just that you came across you know, this particular challenge and wanted to solve it? Oh, that's a good question. I, I think I have always wanted to do this. Um, and I think I can just sort of give you a bit of a backstory. I think when I left university, I went to uni, I studied business management. Actually, before before university, I, I sold properties in Spain, and okay. it really, it really, and I think anyone that's kind of, I I, I read a stat the other day that seventy two percent of founders have come from a sales background, and ultimately, what we as CEOs do is, we, we it's a, it's a sales role. What you're selling is your vision, yeah, and and that job taught me to that job really taught me to sell, you know, I kind of the classic kind of hundred calls a day asking mm-hmm. people if they want to buy property teaches you sort of how to sell. And uh, when I left, you know, I went to university, when I left university, I, I, I remember reading, I actually, funnily enough, I read Duncan Manatine's autobiography and there was a line in there stays with me forever. And he said, if you really want to understand business, you've got to be in it. And at the time I was, I was quite a good boxer. And I decided to start a boxing club in my local town because there wasn't one. Literally, after reading the back of that line, oh, sorry, the, the, that line in the book, and I started this this boxing club. And within a year, we had about two hundred and fifty members. Um, really? And I think that was my first kind of realization that if I put my mind to it, I can start something from mm. scratch and have an engaged customer base. Yeah. Then moved into the city. Um, started kind of bottom of the run on a, on the trading floor same thing 150 cold calls a day that that sort of thing teaches yeah. you resilience and how to sell and i think in truth the first thing i thought when you asked me that question was you know was i destined for it i think i think one of the things that i did that that forced me into this position is that i i, I feel like i upskilled my leadership skills through lots through through reading a lot of theory okay and when you when you work in an organization and I worked in a few organisations, and the companies I worked in were good. When you work in an organisation, and, and, and you take a sort of a personal motive to self-develop yourself in in, in for self-development in leadership, you can look around the organisation and you start to begin to get frustrated because yeah. you start to see that actually the right way to do it is not being replicated here. Mm-hmm. And and I think that frustration, and I look back now and I think I was I was a nightmare to work with because. Yeah. I was a complete. I was. I wasn't happy, you know, and I was frustrated that that that, that I couldn't. I I wasn't resonating with the leaders there. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I came to a conclusion of I can. And I went to a few different jobs, and the same thing happened. And you know, when something happens to you, you've got to look yourself in the mirror and go, yeah. "Is this everyone else, or or is this me?" And the, mm-hmm. the fact is, it, it was it's me. And I looked at that, and I thought the only way that I'm not going to end up getting frustrated is if I take the reins myself and try and do it myself. And I was kind of destined, I, fe- I felt like that's that's what made me, that's what really pushed me into, I mean, apart from the vision of Tukan, that that's what really 
sort of forces me to be a CEO and, and a leader in the day that quite frankly I'm quite intolerable to work with outside <laughs> this position. <laughs> that is sometimes the way though and I, th- I feel I, I sense your frustration because I think that that's why a lot of people set up their own enterprises or why people want to you know they want to work towards a CEO because they see that it could be done differently or it could be done better so I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm completely I, th- I think the other thing is as well is I, I, I just from a personal perspective, I, I need, I'm someone, I, I need constant stimulation. You know, I need to be, I need to be stretched. I read a lot recently around there's a difference between stretched and stressed. And mm-hmm. I think it's quite, it's a skill not to go into that stress part. I feel line. like, exactly. Yeah. I think, I think being, being stimulated and stretched is so important for my own personal fulfillment. And, and, you know, you know, when you run your own business and when you're running your own project, the sky is, it's, it's limitless what you can do. There's downsides to that because you can just end up working all the time, uh-huh. but it, there, there's, it, there's an unlimited amount of things that you can test and measure and replicate. And I, and I, I, I need that. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. And so are there characteristics that you feel are important for all leaders to have? Yeah, definitely. I think in terms of in terms of skills first, I, I thought about this quite a lot. I think there's two there's two like predominant skills as as a leader, mm-hmm. but particularly of a business that's kind of fresh on the scene. You know, where you're trying to create almost create an industry within an in- industry. I think there's yeah. there's two things that you two skills that you need to know about characteristics. It's kind of the skills that I've developed over the years. I think I think you have to be able to unify your team and people around your vision. Mm-hmm. One of the best bits of advice I was given when we did our funding round, I, we, we, we spoke to a quite, quite a well-known prolific tech investor, you know, a, a billionaire tech, tech investor gave me some amazing advice. He said, look, when you're starting a business, don't worry about getting people to pay for your product. You need to get people to pay to support your idea. And 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 I thought it was so true. And you know, when you think about these challenges, the the, the, the challenger banks, as an example, mm-hmm. you're not necessarily you are using it for the product, but the way that, you know the the fact that they took on the banks and their vision of making it transparent, that's why people went to them. You know, that's that's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to do at, at Toucan. We're, we're trying to create this world where giving is second nature, so people can come on and, and come into the app and, and give to charities as part of their healthy, fulfilled lifestyle. So, so I say, I think unifying people around a vision is just critical. And then the other thing I think is is having the sort of personal security that you don't need to be very good at anything mm-hmm. outside of unifying people around a vision and i think one of my favorite kind of sayings in leadership is you you don't need to be the expert you've got to be the expert finding the expert yes and 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 as long as you can centralize yourself around experts and unify them you're on a successful route there so i'd say that those are the two things that i think are really important in, in 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 leadership yeah, it's great advice. It's great advice, and I think that's that's sometimes the downfall of leaders, isn't it? You know, when especially founders, when you're first starting a business, sometimes you can surround yourself. You want to give opportunities to people, so maybe you're not surrounding yourself with those experts. You're surrounding yourself with people that you can help and you can give opportunities to. And whilst that's great, I think sometimes it's, it causes challenges in itself. Hundred percent. We, we, we've got we've got this. I wouldn't say it's a problem. We, we've got this interesting challenge at the moment where. You know, like any startup, well, we are quite, you know, we are reasonably well funded for a tech startup, but, you know, like anyone, we've got, we've got, we can't just go out kind of spending 
mm-hmm. you know, like, like like a banquet, I guess. So, and I, I like to hire people that are perhaps, I, I would say maybe from an experience perspective, one step lower than where they are in, in Toucan, because I believe that, you know, if you give people autonomy, they'll grow into the role. Mm-hmm. And it's great when you're kind of planning. When you're out there, I, I'm just I, I'm I'm seeing it now. There's a certain the, the the lack of sort of experience in doing it again and again in certain roles is is becoming a little a little bit clearer. And it's and it's 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 an enjoyable challenge because we work together on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's just it's quite it's quite an interesting challenge that we're, we, we're facing there. You you want to give you want to give the right people the opportunity, but you need to combine and and obviously you know on salaries that you can afford but you need to combine it with the right level of experience too. Yeah, absolutely. It's like anything, I think CEOs, your job also, as well as selling the vision, is balancing those tensions. There are always tensions you've got to balance and those fine lines that you have to navigate, walk down. 100%. And, and so your approach to leadership then, did that was that formed out of any previous experience? So you mentioned the leaders in the past that you looked and you get maybe in some instances you saw what not to do. Mm. But was there a piece of advice or a particular experience in the fa- in the past that shaped your leadership approach? I, I don't I don't think a piece of advice. I think sort of seeing what worked in in sort of management roles in in other businesses and seeing how I could motivate teams through through treating them well. Mm-hmm. I think just kind of double down on my on my thought process of just just tr- if you treat people with respect, they you know they they will return it too. You know, and if, if you if you see yourself as as you're serving them rather than the other way around you know i think i i, I think that's great and i think it's, it's, it's a bit of an odd bit of advice i remember one thing that someone a really good friend of mine a guy called lee, lee sheldon gave me he's a great coach said you know the one-to-one is a great example of this most leaders take the one-to-one as an opportunity for them to direct the employee and that is ultimately what it's for but but actually what what should be done is that the employee should send you their agenda before the meeting and it should be 80% proportionally weighted on their side of talking time because mm-hmm. it's actually their opportunity to under it's their opportunity to use me so that they can be tooled effectively to do their role mm-hmm. and it's just quite an interesting balance when you think about that it's 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 we're here to serve them and not and not the other way around yeah yeah and 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 that can get lost but i think there there has been a paradigm shift in leadership fairly fairly recently certain last 10 15 years maybe and it is moving more in that direction i think assuming positive intent treating people as you'd like to be treated there's more of that going on and long may it continue yeah 100 percent. and and so advice to someone that was looking to follow in your footsteps so either they got an idea for a, an organization that they wanted to launch or they were just about to step, take a step up into a leadership role what advice would you offer them hmm I would say I'm, I'm going to focus my advice on starting a business. Okay. On, on, on starting a business, if, if you want to step into a leadership position and you want to start a business from, from scratch, mm-hmm. I, I would personally say, and I'm going to be a bit negative here, but it is a long and and hard road. You know, and, and a good example of this is you know everyone saw us on the den. Mm-hmm. I've been working for years years you know to, to, to get this in I, i've i've you know quite quite frankly i've been kind of a mediocre husband a mediocre dad a kind of not great friend um sacrificed far too much than, than, than i should have and still i'm you know still sort of 10 percent up the mountain 
you know, it is extremely difficult. And my, my advice to people that are doing that is make sure for your own sanity that you have a genuine unshakable belief in your vision mm -hmm. because when it's hard when it's hard that's what binds the business together and that's what keeps you going yeah. you know if you if you do it for the status you know entrepreneurship is glamorized and and from my own experience it definitely should not be the, the vast majority of people do not do financially well you know i i've earned i earn less than I probably ever have done in an employed role right now. You know, the kind of the the the, the payday for most won't won't and doesn't happen. Um, you can't leave on your terms. It's very, very difficult um, to grow a business sustainably, scalably. It, you know, it's sorry, it's just very it's, it's very challenging. And I, I would say what keeps me going through the difficult times is creating that world where giving becomes second nature. If I, I, it might take me 20 years, but if I can walk down the street and see people giving to charity on their phone via Tugan, I know I've achieved something and, and, and it keeps me going. So I, mm -hmm. I'd say that, that for, I would say also in the leadership role as well, you know, when you're going into a leadership role, you need to unite, whether you're in a you know, a core organization and a small team running a big team, you know, maybe a big sales team or starting your own business. Your job is to unify people around the belief and you need to have that belief firmly like sewn into you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think if you, people need to go into entrepreneurship with their eyes wide open, because if you go in for the status and the money, a lot of the time that's maybe not there and it's about dropping your shoulder and just doing the hard work. So it's, it is that, isn't it? It's the vision that keeps you going and the, you know, the desire to build that thing that you set out to, to build in the first place. Absolutely. Mm. And so leaders, past or present, famous or otherwise then, who stands out to you as somebody that you particularly admire and what is it about them? Mm. I'm guessing, are you contractually obliged to tell me it's Stephen Bartlett right now? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll talk about Stephen. I think, look, Stephen, yes, is, is a leader. You know, everyone saw the kind of, dramatic negotiation in the den and 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 for me it wasn't dramatic because i really did go in there to get stephen because yeah. you know i followed him for a long time <laughs> i think what what really strikes me about stephen is his honesty yeah sometimes sometimes brutal honesty but but i think his honesty and his kind of his way with words, he can communicate honest, honestly in a very short space of time. And it's, you know, it's the sort of guy that when he says something, it sort of rattles in your head for days. You try to make sense of it. You get, and, and you sort of, maybe you push it away a bit because it's not what you want to hear. And you sort of, before long, you're going, he's, he's absolutely right. And I need to change this. And I think with Stephen, you know, a lot of his advice is advice I haven't wanted to hear, but it's always the best advice. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's triggered a lot of changes. So I, I'd say, Definitely, I look at Stephen Barler as a leader who is just honest. And again, like I said to you earlier in the in the, in the podcast, you know, he's a decent bloke, and that, mm -hmm. that's why that's why I, I'm so glad I made that decision. Yeah. So I think it's for Stephen. I think the other the other leader is <laughs> he would love it if he heard this. I imagine, but um, the other leader that I highly respect is is Eddie Hearn, right, chairman chairman of um i think i think he's chairman of, of matchroom boxing and i think the reason why i respect him so greatly is because i see someone that took a took an industry that i think was i wouldn't say on its knees but you know boxing was small hall shows in the uk you know you sell out a few thousand mm -hmm. and it was you know and and, and, and um it, it, it 
it could never it had never like trans translated into massive apart from a few big fights you know like the eubank and ben mm-hmm. it never translated into massive um like what, what what we call casuals you know um massive kind of audiences and i think what eddie hearn did is he he turned the whole sector on its on its head he understood that as a promoter a he's obviously led the business I mean, the business has done phenomenally well. Mm-hmm. I think as a promoter, what he did is he, and I think we see this through lots of businesses, he understood that actually to promote the fights, he needs to promote himself. And the way that he did that was through social, you know, social media. He, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I've, I know that he does. He'll do like 50 interviews, same, saying the same thing day in, day out um, to promote across these channels. And I think I, I respect someone like that because he took something that was... I would say maybe on its knees, you know, he took an industry and he has transformed it. So I, I, I respect him because he's clearly motivated, unified this business yeah. around this vision. Yeah, absolutely. Great answer. Are you are you getting much chance to read at the min- minute then, Max? I'm always interested to understand what people are reading and the books that have influenced them in the past. Does any spring to mind? Yeah, I mean, the truth is I don't read. I don't read a lot at the moment. I'm just, I'm kind of a classic... I've just been wrapped up in Toucan a bit too much to kind of get the time to read. I, I, I wish I could have the time to read. Um, but there are a few books, I'd say, that's, that have really influenced me. And I, I'd say there's two that stick out. The first one's Freakonomics. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that book, for anyone that hasn't read it, I really recommend it. It's, it's two leading economists apply economic theory to kind of life's, life's mysteries, I'd say, like a few, a few odd stories. And what that taught me is that the answer is usually not as obvious as you think and you need to look at it in a bit of a deeper way um in fact it's usually the reverse of what it seems on the surface and this is very interesting to to go through that process in your mind when when you think about a problem (laughs) and i'd say the other one is 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 a book by a guy called dan pink and it's called drive and the book is about the theory of motivation and it's great if any leaders are listening to this and, and, and you want to read a good book about how to motivate teams, he basically applies three pillars to motivation. Um, autonomy, giving, giving people the autonomy to, 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 um, to do their job effectively without micromanaging. Purpose, you know, yeah. what, what, why are they doing this greater than just themselves? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he calls it mastery, but it's kind of self-development. What, what, what ability? are you giving them to self-develop and train mm-hmm. and, and i think that that book just so, I, I it took me so long to read it because at the end of every page i just i sort of thought about what i've done wrong in the past and uh-huh. i thought right, i've got to correct that going forward so i say yeah free economics and drive books i i've really influenced i'd say like a, a style of leadership for me yeah fantastic thank you for sharing those and and so final question and it's not a question that i always ask but tell us what was it like in the den how was it to have all five dragons offer and then to just pick steven so i was in the den for two hours and 40 minutes Mm -hmm. right and the offers came in perhaps two hours 15 minutes in something like that yeah it's an amazing experience obviously it's very intense and they don't you know the dragons don't know anything about you until you walk through the doors so the vo- what, what i'd say doesn't come across in in the on, on tv is the volume of questions that you are asked i mean literally i was asked for two hours you know melody and i were asked two hours solid and they kind of talk over each other a lot and they're kind of all firing at every direction 
And I, I've got to be honest, it was hard, actually. The first hour was hard. And the nature of what we do, which is we're a tech business, yes, we monetize donors, but because there's charity involvement, there's a lot around that. Like, you're making money out of charities, and you have to mm-hmm. calmly explain, no, we're not. Mm-hmm. And I thought, after the first hour, I thought, well, oh, it's a bit of a 50-50. And then suddenly, and then suddenly... Um, things started to things started to turn a bit and and i think looking at it on reflection i think they sort of took me through that journey a bit you know for, but then yeah when they all offered it was it was an incredible feeling but the thing is you know what you don't what you don't see on tv is we we've we raised our last um our last our post money valuation at last round was 2.8 million and the fact that they they five of them wanted to come in for 10 percent mm-hmm. if i had taken that deal i would have walked out of the den shaving two-thirds of value off the business i, I just yeah. couldn't I, I, I couldn't do it from a value perspective mm-hmm. but i just thought you know what there's just rare moments in life where you get the chance to kind of have conviction in why you went in for something like that and i thought i'd rather go in for it risk it and have conviction in why we really went in because it was a long journey to get there mm-hmm. at the expense of potentially losing it all to get mm-hmm. Stephen. And I knew we had this saying again, you know, he's a decent bloke. Yeah. I knew deep down that he wouldn't just leave me hanging out to dry. So yeah, it felt it felt great and it felt surreal. It really it was a surreal moment. I mean, in that lift on the way back, I mean, oh, it was great. You know, we were hugging and just so we were so happy. We were so happy because the, the, the it was Melody's um, Canadian. She flew over. We bubbled up for a few. We bubbled up for a week actually. She came and stayed with my wife and my daughter, and we literally every day we just had the chairs out in the living room, practicing the pitching, answering questions. So you know, when you come to the end of a journey like that, and it kind of couldn't gone any better. Yeah, it was just it was just it was a real elated feeling. Amazing, amazing. And so, how did you and Melody meet then? She's over in Canada. You're in the UK. Yeah, I mean, we used to work together. We Mm -hmm. kind of we, we we met in a previous role, and Melody is sort of the just the polar opposite of me and we work very well together we've got a great dynamic mm-hmm. I, i'd say i'm quite extroverted if if i see a wall in front of me i will run through it without much thought and the re, and the yes i might get what's the other side but i'll leave a bit too much sort of damage okay. melody but if melody's left to it on her own she'll sort of take too much time to assess the wall you know brick by brick you combine the dynamic together we usually get around it in a nice way and you know I, I, i'm kind of the now we're both sort of the face of the business melody's the methodical product person and i'm the i guess you know the the the, the, i'm selling the vision of the business Mm -hmm. yeah you're the human ceo as it were exactly (laughs) fantastic and so what's next for you melody and the team then you're one of the probably one of the highest you know viewed dragons episodes the exposure that you got from that must have been phenomenal and i know you've just started the ukraine appeal as well haven't you can you tell us a bit more about what's next for you guys please yeah i mean what, what was odd is yeah we, we've obviously got a lot of um got a lot of feedback on the den but also the same night i was sitting having sorry the friday night after i was sitting having dinner with my wife my phone started going crazy and realized we were on gogglebox so we had another six million people viewing us on gogglebox which was which was funny it's quite interesting to see the audience perspective as well mm-hmm. um so what's next for us yeah um so we, we actually haven't been like 
we haven't been live for we were only we only launched a few weeks we only launched our we, we were in a beta phase last year we launched our product live a few weeks before the den so the way that i see it we're only a couple of months really into our commercial journey and really what's next for us is we, we are we've now tested our routes to market we're now scaling them up we're now building the business building this community of, of donors um and now we're looking at other routes to market as well so you know you mentioned the ukraine fund you know obviously it's horrific what's going on out there and we wanted as a business to respond quickly Mm -hmm. we've actually united with um, other then companies that we were on our during our season and um, we're now clubbing together to use our new elevated platforms for good and we're raising together for Ukraine using tokens what we call our, our one-off donation portal our, our spotlight fund um, and and now what's next for us we, we, we'll go into a, a second investment round um, in a few months time and we will just continue to grow our donor base, continue to grow our product, make it more emotive for people, mm-hmm. continue with one-off donations based on causes and events. So for example, we'll do something for Mental Health Awareness Week. And then we'll look to go into the corporate space. So we're probably looking at something like a payroll giving um, proposition as well. Fantastic. Great. Well, I look forward to that. And thank you for taking the time, Matt. I know you've got a lot on your plate at the minute and you're doing all sorts of wonderful things to, to help, the, help the charities that you're involved in. So I appreciate you taking the time. Absolute pleasure. Really nice talking to you. Yeah, Yeah, thank you for having me. 